We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you from my upstairs in New Athens, Illinois, and I have my, my guests with me here. Why don't you introduce yourself, Peter? I get to be Pastor Peter Ill, and I serve as pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Millstadt, Illinois, and today I'm coming to you from my study at church. They give me a whole room where I can hide my books and hide myself, um, and... <laughs> And that's a great place for me to get to dig into the Word of God. And every once in a while, I get to visit with you on the radio, John. So you're not in the kitchen? You're not in the kitchen no, uh, this morning or this afternoon today. or whenever people... Oh, you aren't. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what are you going to do if you need to fix yourself a sandwich or get a drink while we're doing the show? You're uh, out of luck? We, we're blessed to have a kitchen here at church, too. It's amazing. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm well provided for. We're good. All right, because I don't want but you to get always, hungry or thirsty. Sure, but it's always excellent to get to be back with you and with our listeners on Wrestling with the Basics. And, and Peter, again, we do want to say a hearty thanks because, see, I'm retired. I got nothing good to do anyway, but you're actually a working man. Uh, what what time are church service there at Millstadt? Anyone comes to pay you a visit? We get to gather on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and on Monday evenings at 7. Uh, and as we're coming into the Advent season here, we're gathering on Wednesdays at 7 as well uh, to get to hear God's word and uh, receive all of his gifts. So if you're listening and you're in the area, feel free to come on by and check us out. And and again, thank you, because like I said, seriously, that's not a joke. You are in a very, very busy time of the church here, and I appreciate you taking the time to be with me. Uh, before we begin our subject today, which is going to be the rapture, um, I did want to pick up one thing about last week's episode. Uh, you had wanted to talk about the story of the sheep and, and the goats in Matthew 25. And when you suggested that, I thought, oh, that's great. Because, uh, Peter, that is the text I used to conclude my adult instruction classes for over 40 years. And I always thought it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I've spent this whole time telling people from the Word of God that we're saved by faith and faith alone. That's all there is to it. It's not about your works. And then we end with a text where it seems like it's all about our works. <laughs> I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink and so on. But but here's here's the uh, explanation I would offer the people. Uh, have you ever been involved? I, I hope you haven't. But have you ever been involved in a criminal trial, Peter? Um, not, not, not necessarily not for directly. you. <laughs> okay. Um, we actually had a member uh, who who was uh, involved in a murder. He didn't actually do the murdering. But he was there with a group of people who did commit the murder in a robbery. And, you know, the law says if you're there, you're responsible. That's how, how it is. Um, and so uh, I was not involved in the formal trial because what people don't understand, there's two trials in a criminal case. The first trial is to determine whether you're guilty or not guilty. And I wasn't part of that. But then there's also a second trial. I don't know if people know that. There's a second trial to determine, well, what should your sentence be? OK, and I did get invited to come and, and testify in behalf of this man in that trial of the sentencing. 
And it occurs to me, if you go back and read through Matthew 25, you can see there are actually two trials going on there. The first trial, as far as guilt and, and not guilty, is right there in the opening verses where he separates the sheep from the goats. There it is. There's the division. Uh, and the Bible is very clear. You know, uh, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes not is condemned. That's it. Clear cut. The trial is over. But then we also have now the trial about the judgment, about what, what's the reason for what sentence you're going to give? Because no righteous judge could simply say, you're ugly. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you should be uh, executed because I just don't like you. Uh, no, no, there has to be evidence given in that case of what the, the uh, punishment is going to be. And so that's what's happening there in Matthew 25. God is giving the evidence because you can't see faith. He can't say, oh, these people are going to go to heaven because they have faith. These people are going to go to the fire prepared for the devil and the angels because they don't have faith because faith is not a visible evidence that you can show before all nations. But you can sure show the fruits of faith or the lack thereof. And then I would always conclude by pointing this out. So so the world, uh, Peter, thinks that the judgment is a great big book, and on one page you've got all the bad things you've done, and on the other page you've got all the good things you've done, and God help you if you don't have more good things than bad things. That's how judgment is done. Weighing it, right? you got justice there with the two scales. Um, but but think of this, Peter. When, when we come to the people that are going to hell, isn't it interesting that there's not a single bad thing mentioned? Is there? And why is that, Peter? Why isn't there any list? Why doesn't he say, you committed adultery, you committed murder, uh, you were a liar? Because he could have said all those things. Why doesn't he say those things, Peter? Why do you think? I think there's a couple of reasons. The first is okay. we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so he can just assume that that everybody has done wrong. But the Lord doesn't judge based on the actions of a sinner. The Lord judges based on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think, I think I'm going to lock in my final answer today as because the <laughs> Lord doesn't look at you with what you've done wrong, but with cr what Christ your Lord has done right for you. And that is the correct answer. <laughs> Not Good. that it was a test. Good. Okay. <laughs> How much did you wager, by the way? <laughs> uh, oh, 25 cents. I'm, okay. I'm just We're a because I, can I know better that. than to wager too much. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, well, what if he wagered $100? But uh, yeah, so that's that's what, and that's what, what, what we're all about. That's what we're all about as Lutheran Pete. It's forgiveness of sins. There's not a single service that you conduct that you don't tell people, here's the one thing I want you to know when you leave, you are forgiven. So you're right. So there's no need mentioning those things. They're there, but they're all forgiven, you know? Unfortunately for those who are going to the fires prepared for the devil and the angels, there's nothing else there either. Uh, there, there's nothing on the good side. Uh, and we may say, well, surely they did some nice things. They gave money to charity or whatever. But but we, we remember the verse where it says, apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. Apart from faith, the, the good things you're doing, you're either doing uh, for your own uh, reward or you're doing it because you're afraid of what will happen if you don't. And that that don't cut it. That don't cut it. And then finally, Peter, then, of course, on the flip side, it's neat that those who are uh, taken into the kingdom, prepared before the foundation of the world, that there's no mention of their bad stuff. Although we know, as you said, Peter, we've done the bad stuff. If he'd said something at the final judgment, we would just say, yeah, that's true. Forgive me. Uh, but on the other hand, ain't it wonderful that there's this long list of things that we didn't even think were all that good. 
But God said, man, you loved your neighbor, and that's all I ever wanted you to do, and that is the fruit of faith. So thank you for giving me my final spiel from my adult instruction class, Peter. <laughs> Fabulous. But it's a it's a wonderful spiel and one that, that we all need to hear because so often the end of the world starts to fill us with a little bit of dread, and we start to worry about it. And and as we kind of transition into our topic for today, thinking about the rapture, I think that that's something, too, that shows some of the fear that we have about what's happening in the world around us. And it, it anytime we talk about the end of the world, we don't want to be not in control. And the fact that the Lord knows the day and the hour and we don't means that we're not in control. And that is, well, it's it's frightening for sinners like us. So so we talked about the judgment. We want to continue to talk about that with a, a, a term that maybe people don't know, although I suspect probably a lot of people have heard it. You mentioned it, the rapture. So, so Peter, two things. One, first of all, what is the rapture? And second of all, why would we want to talk about it on Wrestling with the Basics? Um, and why would we want to say that it's not necessarily something that we believe uh, in in the the Lutheran Church? Uh, I, to, Absolutely. To the question just a yeah. little bit. Um, so the rapture, uh, sometimes more formally called post millennialism or um, <laughs> mo- uh, post millennial dispensationalism, if you want to use all the syllables. Uh, See, this is, is why I, I prefer Kellogg's. I prefer uh, Kellogg's precisely because this post thing. But anyway, that's just me. Fair, Go ahead. Fair enough. <laughs> But we get to a point uh, where people will say, uh, Jesus will remove all, at, at a certain point, Jesus will remove all of the Christians from the world, and then a series of trials and tribulations and uh, and terrible things will happen in the world uh, to the people who are left here. Uh, but Christians will be uh, pulled out. And then at the end of all of those trials and that time of affliction, uh, Jesus will return and he will have his great judgment on the white throne. You'll have your sheep and the goats moment, and then you'll have the full resurrection. Um, and it's the idea that that Christians are pulled out of the world uh, as as the trials and afflictions are coming, that is something that's really not not borne out in Scripture the way that some folks say that it is, that it is. But any conversation about the end of the world, or uh, like in your previous uh, conversations about the Book of Revelation, we'll talk about people will want to say, but what about this idea of the rapture? It's a teaching that uh, rolls around in the Christian Church uh, fairly commonly. And it's something that that it's always good for us as we uh, move from wrestling with the basics to wrestling with the, the mid-level stuff to sometimes stop and think about of, of well, what how exactly will Jesus accomplish the end of the world? So last week we talked about the what. This week we, we I guess, are talking a little bit more about the how. So, so the, the 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 thing to note, like you said, that it is you you hear a lot about it, is to note that that back in the early church, you wouldn't have heard about it at all. <laughs> okay, well, you, this you is did rather... though. Uh, actually, did this goes really? all the way back to the three hundreds, but they didn't call it the rapture, and they didn't call it uh, dispensationalism or, or postmillennialism. They okay. called it chiaism. Uh, uh, oh, yes. after the Greek yes. Greek word okay. chi. Yeah, so this for, does for go millennial, back millennial teaching. Yeah, yeah okay, all yeah, right. Yeah, so there was a millennial yeah. teaching that goes back to uh, the two fifties or the three hundreds A.D. 
Uh, and so this has been around, but it has really taken off in popularity uh, since about 1850, um, especially in the Western so, so no, Church. Wait, hold, hold on a second here. I, I, I got to quit relying on Wikipedia because <laughs> I looked up Wikipedia and said, this is, this is a contemporary thing. So, so in order to have a – because I know what the millennialism is, the Kiliasm, as you said. Uh, and, and yeah, Luther's talking about that, the Jewish opinion, he calls it, the idea that there's this thousand year reign of Jesus on earth before the end comes. Do you have to have a rapture in order to have millennialism? Are those things um, intermittently connected? Or can you don't we have, have to, apart? but you often do. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so now tell me, okay, now you got to clarify this for me because see, this is, this is the thing you've been working on and studied. So, so if there is a, a, a millennial period, this thousand years at the end, well, man, now we're off into another subject. Um, so does the rapture come before that or come towards the end of that? Or can you take your pick? Different people who talk about the rapture talk about it differently. And so there are some people okay. who are pre-millennial dispensationalists and some oh, people, no. uh, so they think the thousand years comes first. And then there are okay. people who are post-millennial uh, dispensationalists. And so they say the thousand years comes after. And then you have uh, the Lutherans who are referred to as the amillennialists or, or we say uh, the thousand years is happening right here, right now, already among us. Um, yeah, and it's a figurative right. it's not... period of time. Okay. So we are the amillennials. Amillennials. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. Well, let's stick with the rapture. Maybe I'll have to have you back sometime after Matt comes and talk about the whole thousand-year period, too. But whether you believe it happens at the beginning or the end of the dispensation. Um, so, so here's the thing, because it says it teaches it in the Bible. I know it teaches it in the Bible, Peter. It's right there in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 17, where it says that the Lord's going to descend from the heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them. And I know my Latin. <laughs> I've been reading my Vulgate translation, and it says that we'll be raptured. We'll be caught up together with them them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So what do you mean there's no rapture, Peter? So so the Latin word is rapturo, uh, which is just a fun yeah. word to say. Uh, and I remember once I was teaching this in my Bible study here at Trinity, and and I got to thinking about, you know, birds of prey, like eagles and owls and falcons and stuff. And and so I, I looked out at the room and I said, well, what's your favorite raptor? And, and one of my members, a guy about my age, apparently also grew up watching Jurassic Park movies, looked at me and just said, the velociraptor. Uh, which isn't a bird at all, but a dinosaur. And man, it gave us all the giggles for about five minutes. And I loved it. Uh, still do. Uh, but the, the idea of, of a dinosaur grabbing a hold of, of an animal that it's going to eat and ripping or snatching it away uh, is the same idea that you have when, uh, when you're driving along the road and you see the, the falcon dive bomb off the power line, right? And he, he grabs that squirrel or that mouse or whatever it is that he's grabbing uh, and he, he picks it up because he's going to eat it and he snatches it. It's exactly the same word uh, that the Lord will descend and he will uh, snatch up uh, those who are alive, those who are um, the people of God, um, 
and we will be with those uh, who are returning from heaven, and we're given the promise that we will always be with the Lord. And so here in 1 Thessalonians 4, being snatched is a good thing, um, and but it there's no uh, time where it says that you're going to leave behind the people who are... Uh, not chosen, uh, because the idea is you'll, as Jesus is on his way down, he's going to snatch you up and then he's going to bring you down again, uh, for the judgment. Uh, but we will always be with the Lord. There's not any teaching that we will be hidden away from the, uh, from the presence of God or from this world, uh, for a thousand years or for seven years or for any other period of time, uh, because we will always be with the Lord and we who are alive uh, at the day of the Lord's return are going to be the ones who are, who are caught up or snatched. So, so, so uh, we have the passage that we, we uh, read uh, last week from Matthew 25 of the sheep and the goats. And, and, and I always tell people, if, if you want to understand Revelation, for example, which is this picture of what happens at the end, and and to my knowledge, there is no mention of any rapture in Revelation. Is there? Is there, Peter? Did I miss something? There's not. Uh, the okay. part of the part, a lot of things that fit kind of into uh, for folks who talk about the rapture, they'll talk about a lot of things that happen in the Book of Revelation, uh, the bowls and the seals and the trumpets, for example, uh, coming at various times and places. But then they will also talk about that that uh, great white throne judgment uh, that's mentioned in the Book of Revelation as well. So, so, so the thing is, if, if you have a concept, uh, you can work it back and make it fit however you want to make it fit. But there's no explicit place anywhere where it says at this point in time, uh, the believer is going to be taken out and everyone else is going to be left. Uh, in fact, it seems to me uh, the constant picture in the Bible is that if you are a Christian, you're going to struggle and suffer until finally the Lord comes and delivers you. Uh, and there's no intermediary or any period like that. It's just as it's described, right? The Lord comes and all the nations are gathered and poof, boom, here it is. Uh, the division takes place and what have you. Um, so so tell me other things that you want to comment on this, because that is the passage, right? That's the proof text. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Uh, anything else in particular about that that passage, Peter? I, I think that something else that is important to kind of remember is uh, for people who, who really like this idea of the rapture, why is it so important to them? And what do they gain by this understanding of the rapture? And I think part of it is we get really scared when bad things happen. And we start, start to have doubts and fears that the Lord is working for us. And so we want to be a little less out of control. And so we'd like to be able to identify where are we in the Lord's return process. And, and that's something that in a lot of the writings and teachings and movies about the rapture, people will try to, to figure out, well, where do we stand in this process of the Lord coming again? Uh, because we're trying to have a little bit more control to, to understand what God is up to. Uh, but the, the solution to uh, difficult times isn't for us to grab control, 
but it's for us to uh, to cry out, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and to to trust even more firmly and even more fiercely in the promises of God that he will work for us when he knows the time is right, no matter if we think the time is right or not. And so it's not a time for us to try to seize control, but it's a time for us to believe and a time for us to have faith when we struggle with the attacks, especially of the devil in the world um, outside of us uh, in these gray and latter days as the hymns talk about it. So so my wife and I were doing Psalm 44 as part of our devotions, uh, and, and that psalm begins with uh, the uh, author saying, you know, uh, we our fathers have told us uh, how you took care of us in the past and how you delivered us from slavery in Egypt and all those stories of salvation. And, 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 and he says, but it ain't working now. <laughs> What's going on? You know, before we'd go out to battle and you would give us the victory, but now we go out to battle and, and you're not with us anymore. Almost and, like and you've given us the cold the, shoulder, God. What's up? <laughs> And the answer is just what you said. The answer is, no, no, it's not that I'm not going out to battle with you. It's that you're going out to battle without me. That That's the problem. And and your father's told you about that, too, because they made that same silly mistake. Uh, but, but the fact is, nope, I still love you. I still care for you. I'm still faithful to you. And guess what? Even though you have neglected me, I have not uh, abandoned you. Uh, and uh, the answer, as you said so well, Peter, is not in finding our control of the situation, but rather repenting, acknowledging we have absolutely no control over any situation, even the things we thought we had control over, we didn't, as can be verified by our day-to-day life over and over again. But that's okay, because then you can just rest, right? Take my yoke upon you. It's a yoke of rest, because you know the Lord is in control, and the Lord is going to make it. Uh, work together for our good. That's his promise. And I've yet to see, I, I know I've had to wait sometimes, Peter, for him to fulfill his promise. I understand that, which is what he told me. He was really frank about that, that you might have to wait. Uh, but in the end, it always works together for our good. And as we continue to kind of think about the challenges that we face in this world, uh, the, all of the things that were foretold in the book of Revelation, the pestilences and the famines and the wars and the rumors of war. And this is straight out of uh, Jesus and the Gospels, too, in Matthew 24 and 25, uh, in the book of Luke, in Luke 17, and in Luke 19 and 20. Uh, Jesus is again and again saying, these things are going to happen. Um, but he doesn't at those points say, those things are going to happen and then I'm going to pull you out of there. He says, these (laughs) things are going to happen. And at that time, mourn, grieve, because the world is a tough place. But be convinced and trust that I am coming again with all of my promises. And as you are my faithful people, my treasured possession, I will call you my own. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. These are promises, uh, not just for every day of our lives, but for the last days of the world too. And we continue to keep them on our lips, no matter how close or far we are from that great and awesome day of the Lord. And now we can go back to the word rapture, rapture, which, as you pointed out, is a violent word. It is a word about something being seized, grasped, pulled away, like the, 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 the raptor, the hawk, the eagle coming. 
Uh, and, and see, that's the tough thing we need to realize is it is hard for us. It is hard for us to trust. It is hard for us to just say, okay, Lord, you're in control because we are sinners. That's not just something we say. It's a, it's a fact. And, and, and indeed, then, I suppose the, the ending where we are taken away from everything that is evil and wicked, which you think we would run away from, but, but no, we probably will have to be snatched away from all those things to be taken up into heaven to be with the Lord because we are so sinful. And it's just so hard for us to give up all of these worldly things. And yet the Lord understands that. He understands the weakness of our flesh. He understands our doubt. And trust me, he's going to do exactly what it says that in, in Thessalonians, he is going to come and he's going to take us and also with all of our loved ones and take us to be with him and we're going to be there forever. No matter what happens here, that, that is a fact. Peter, again, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us. We're looking forward to talking about Christmas with you next week. This has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. basics.